welcome to episode eight of the Microsoft Spotlight podcast with me, Andrew Price, and my co-host, John Jarvis. This episode is proudly sponsored by BitTitan. Check out their website today to find out BitTitan can help you migrate your data to the Microsoft Cloud. So, John, we'd like to introduce our first guest today. We are honored to have on the show today, Karuna Gassimu, um, who is the Principal Program Manager for the Customer Advocacy Group for Microsoft Teams. So, welcome to our show. How are you doing? Oh, thank you so much for having me. I am I am great. I'm outside of Seattle and it's a beautiful day here. So anytime it's not raining here, it's good. <laughs> it's in, in, in the UK it's been um been raining, but a little bit a little bit warm for us. So it's um it's coming to the summer. So we're coming up to our, our first our only couple of days of sun. So oh, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Oh. So yeah, um, how you, as I said, how you been? So um, let's just talk about you. Let's dive straight into it. You're obviously the uh, the principal program manager of um, the customer advocacy group for Teams. Do you want to talk to us about that and kind of what you do at Microsoft? Oh sure, happy to do that. Um, well, you know, this group, I basically built it around all the things I like to do. And I'm very lucky that those things have impact on the business and people kept letting me do it. Um, I love working with customers. I like data and telemetry. I like building features, um, especially across different service areas. And, and so in Teams, that's a good deal of what my team does. Um, we also work on the partner community, helping the partners who are dedicated to to teams in modern work and our MVPs and the tech community. So it's a really cool blending of digging deep into the product itself and understanding usage behavior and patterns, working with other service areas um, like SharePoint and Power Platform and others about how we can do these better together scenarios. And then working with people, being at events and supporting the, the user groups and things of that nature and, and our NDA communities. So, it's a fantastic job. I, I sometimes um, look around and I'm like, how, how, how did I get this? <laughs> I mean, it must encompass quite a lot because obviously the MVP community is, is, is massive. The, the tech community itself is massive and so is Microsoft. So yeah. how hard is it kind of blending all of that together? Um, it's a little difficult, I'll tell you. I think that, um, I think that I'm very lucky that, you know, Microsoft's seen value in what we're doing. So they've been investing in my group and that's great. Um, but it's kind of a halo effect also of the massive growth we've had in Microsoft Teams. Um, you know, as the communities and as the product grows and usage grows, so does our need to process data and feedback and, and understand the new capabilities. So, you know, it's a little bit of right place, right time. Um, but, you know, when I came to Teams, I was an army of one. You know, so I, I came to Teams before Preview, and I had been working on it as a project when they were working with Microsoft IT at that time to get it launched in a development state inside Microsoft. So I've been working on it a long time, so I've had that opportunity to build, um, you know, what we do and over time. So it's more of an organic growth rather than trying to knit together different areas. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, nice. yeah. Uh, they're, they're definitely now, I'll say that from the very beginning, Lori Potmeyer, who's on my team, who's phenomenal at managing that, the Microsoft technical community and our MVP program, she was already there in another area and she was moved you know, into my group as we expanded um, user voice. And that work was someplace else and came into my group. So 
there was some stitching together of stuff, but then we've grown since then for like the adoption hub and some of the scale tools we've built and this new newer work that we're doing across the services. So yeah, yeah. we had Laurie, we had Laurie on episode five. So if anyone hasn't watched that, that's a quick plug there. Um, she's, amazing. <laughs> she's amazing. I love Laurie. Yeah. Yeah. She's brilliant. But so how did it all start? Like how did, how did your, your IT career start then? Well, you know, it was kind of happenstance. Um, I'm not a computer science major. Pardon me, I'm not a, I'm not a computer science major. Um, tech was kind of a day job while I worked in theater and I was a dancer and what have you in Los Angeles long, long ago. Um, and then um, I ended up working for a firm that did technology specific to the legal industry. I had worked in law firms and then went and did that. And then I ended up getting um, promoted. I got this job that was like a national job. And that's when I really, really realized that tech was going to be my career. Um, and so, you know, I've worked in Microsoft Partners. I've worked at customers. I've, you know, had my own company. And so, you know, it's been a, been a kind of an interesting journey. People think that your career is like an arc or like a straight line, but mine is not like that at all. Yeah, I mean, one of the... Um, things that we asked you um, on our pre-questions to you was a career highlight and you said that reinventing yourself was one of your career highlights but do you want to kind of expand on 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 what you mean with that and 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 how you did reinvent your reinvent your career oh certainly 100 percent um yeah you know i think people have to do this multiple times in a career because things change right um so i'd had this initial career in the partner ecosystem um, I was a GM for a, a professional services firm, and then I was VP of marketing for a professional services org, and I had moved to New York. Um, and then I came back to Los Angeles, and um, and at that time, a bunch of things in my personal life changed. Actually, I got divorced, and at that, and I had my own company by the time that happened. Um, and you know, it just was like I just needed to start over, really, in kind of all areas of my life simultaneously. So I took this job at Skechers, this shoe company, in their IT department. And I thought, look, I just need a job to chill for a minute. Um, I had sold my company and, and changed all that. And, and I thought, okay, let me just regroup here. And um, they were going to do this project where they were going to spend this huge amount of budget on um, creating a form. And I'm like, you do know you have Microsoft and SharePoint and InfoPath, right? You, you already own everything you need to do this. And the VP of IT was like, okay, you know how to do that? I'm like, I'm sure I can figure it out. And then he's like, okay, go. So that was the beginning of my work in SharePoint was creating this form for the sales department to capture data and run a business process. And it's when I realized, you know, that even that original version of SharePoint was kind of everything I'd ever loved, like business process, fixing things and SQL and the database and the website. And it was really it was really so fun. Um, but I didn't I didn't you know, when I took that job, I was kind of at a pretty low point. I was like, OK, what am I going to do now? <laughs> I have no idea. And sometimes the universe will create an opportunity for you. And if you lean into that opportunity, it can lead you to the next thing and the next thing. And one of my, one of my principles now is I like to work on things I like to work on, right? Yeah. I've been in this business a long time. That doesn't mean I enjoy every single thing that I do, but I don't really take on projects that are not either my strong suit or really not 
don't have some element of meaning to me. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I learned that when I reinvented myself, that if you're going to reinvent yourself, you might as well reinvent yourself to something that you enjoy. Yeah, 100%. There's no point in doing something that you don't enjoy or don't yeah. like. No, and a lot of people think they have to. And I realize that I, you know, I'm not trying to make it sound easy. It's taken me years to get to have a job where 90% of what I do, I love. Um, and I realize the privilege of that, but it has been intentional. At each time I've taken on a new project or a new job or work for a new boss or whatever, I've really focused on weeding out the things that I eat, that I don't get a lot of um, satisfaction from. So, you know, a decade later, I now have this job that I just, I love. I love all the different parts of it. It's really fun. So it's very interesting, obviously, you know, your, your background from being from a theatre trained as a, as a dancer and then kind of going to IT. It's not a natural, you know, career path in any shape yeah. or form. It's okay. like... No, it definitely wasn't. You know, my whole family on my mom's side um, were in the theater business in one way or another. And so it was kind of like the family business. Um, and so there was this expectation that I would go and do that. And of course, I love it. Um, part of when I owned my own company, I did a lot of video production, event production. Um, I wrote and directed a, a documentary on the discovery of AIDS. Um, and I did a lot of work in nonprofit to help them with different sorts of things they messaging they wanted to do. And so I really love creative, uh, being a creative director or, or producing events and what have you. But when I came back into the SharePoint world, I thought that I was really leaving a lot of that behind, right? Like I didn't think it was going to have much to do with anything that I do. Well, you know, come to find out later that I decide, okay, I'm going to go ahead and start my YouTube channel. I'm going to produce some visual content. I'm going to produce a website. I'm going to do some events. And because we needed to for the business, for teams. And now it's a huge part of what I do. All that training in the creative work that I had before, a hundred percent is relevant in the work I do today. But I mean, I, I mean who, now that basically that work you was doing in the theater work will basically, you know, set you up for the, the career that you have now. Because I only just yesterday I knew you was on the, the Teams Nation conference delivering a session. So, you know, your background kind of set you up for a career in IT without you actually doing anything. I'm thinking about it. It's quite it's very it's a very strange way, but it, it's all worked out quite well for you, hasn't it? Yeah. Well, and I think too, you know, the adoption work that I do, a lot of adoption specialists, they come from more diverse backgrounds. And I think that that helps us sometimes with the people part of driving change. Um, you know, people are everywhere and, and you have to deal with them and uh, understanding how people are emotionally motivated, which is something you study, you know, if you're going to be an actress or a dancer, you need to understand the emotional motivation of your character. It's very helpful for me to take that lens and apply it to the group of stakeholders I'm trying to persuade to move from email to teams or change their business process. Like emotional motivation is a really important part of what drives us as as humans and I sometimes I think in this business we forget that so I like bringing that to the table and and um and yeah certainly the privilege I've had lately of being able to like be a on-air host for like Ignite Build is coming up I'll be on air for Build um all of that ability is this blending of my my performance background and my love of technology you know yeah, and then being able to talk about it you know that's something I was going to ask you. Like, obviously, you was you was kind of the face of Ignite um, in, in last March. Kind of, have you kind of thought about how 
you being the face of Ignite has maybe and hopefully has inspired not only young women coming through, but you know, young um, black women, like young black men, and you know, people like me. You know, I, even myself, I felt inspired by by yourself, your energy, and and how you put yourself across at Ignite. Have you kind of sat back and thought about that? I have actually. I feel. Um... I feel a sense of duty and obligation. That's one of the reasons I do all the work that I do and I speak and I have my podcast and all this kind of stuff. I want people to see that you can come from a diverse background and have a really awesome career in this business. I want people to understand that it is more open now than it's ever been, that a unique perspective and maybe approach to the way I explain things or whatever it is it is not only appreciated, but necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, it really motivates me. And this is why, you know, going back to this thing of I don't do stuff I don't want to do. Um, I want to put myself out there in that way. And it drives me to be even better at what I do. I'm not sure all the new feature releases drive me to get up in the morning, but helping other people follow along in this path absolutely does. Um, And I feel so lucky because I don't think, I think people believe that there aren't a lot of technical African-American women in this business, but there's actually more of them than you think of, right? And I want them to have that visibility. And I want, I never saw anybody who looked like me when I was coming up, you know, Um, and that, you know, there wasn't, there was challenges being the only woman in the room sometimes or the only African-American person in a room but I didn't think about it as much as you might think. I, I, I worried about being better than everyone a lot because I was the only person. Um, I worried about being technical enough because I was female. Um, and I don't think I could really take in how hard it actually was at the time. <laughs> I, think, I think looking back, it, it's, I see a lot of things that I initially kind of just blocked out as I was trying to do it. But I definitely think about it now. Yeah, I, I feel like it's just I'm so lucky um, to, to be able to do that. And thank you for the compliment, too. I really do try to bring energy to that. You yeah. know, to those those shows. I mean, there's lots of people who can go super deep into the technical details. I don't. My skill is in the synthesis of it and bringing it back to a human uh, impact. Um, and the business impact has always been my real thing about technology. I love applying technology to business problems and solving them. Like that's that's my jam. I love doing that. Um, so yeah, you make so things I, relatable at the end of the day. Like people kind of take in taking more information when they can relate to somebody you can relate to how how people talk and stuff and yeah it's um you know you're you're somebody in, in the community i look to and and stuff so having you on the podcast is a honor for both of us so yeah oh that's lovely and you know look i'm just i really it's so funny because i remember my very first sharepoint user group and i was so nervous going into this room of people because i was new to sharepoint so again it's like a decade ago 12 years whatever it was And I was so nervous going in that room and wondering if I was going to fit in and wondering if I was going to be able to, um, you know, learn everything I needed to learn and things of that nature. And now, you know, I hear people like yourselves say stuff like that. And, you know, I'm still the same woman who was nervous about going to the SharePoint users group. Right. (laughs) I don't want anybody to confuse the the persona on the stage with the person. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, because people can get that confused. And and, uh, you know, 
I still worry about fitting in. I still worry about being technical enough. I still worry that people will think that I'm in marketing, not engineering. Um, you know, I, I definitely think of those things. But the thing I learned in the community is to um, relax because the community is so welcoming. The SharePoint community, the Teams community, like everybody I've met in the community has been so welcoming um, and it really helps. So, you know, if somebody new is listening to this, you know, reach out because um, people are fun <laughs> and they, they really are, are good at that. So for me, it was always about just being yourself. I mean, I'm from a diverse background. My, my grandparents, Jamaican, and I've got Irish descendants as well. I'm, I'm, I'm English as well. So I've got a complete mixed, you know, diversity background when it comes to like family gatherings and stuff like that. So yeah, just being yourself and not like, taking whatever skills and knowledge and your personality most because when you get like, when I've when I spoke at conferences it, and people look at you you know be yourself that they buy more into the person than they do on the you know the stuff that's on the slide deck behind you and, that, and that's how you know you really progress in the world because if they can't buy into you as the person then they're just going to switch off yeah that's 100 percent true I teach for a couple of years there a while back and I think I'm going to revive this I was teaching this class about um, professional branding and branding for introverts. And, and part of it is definitely about that. And also reading the room. I will say that the way that I present at a big, huge conference, um, or the way that I present, I do a lot of work in government. You know, there's, there's, I have a volume control, right. You know, and, and, you know, sometimes I'm more um, enthusiastic or I crack more jokes or, you know, when you're on a stage with a thousand people in the room, you know, you want to give them an actual performance that is, is good. Right. Um, but when I'm in, for instance, an executive meeting inside Microsoft, um, that's when you dial that back. Right. It's more about the data. It's more about precision. It's more about answering direct questions and knowing when not to talk. Um, I will say that my success at Microsoft has come more from knowing when not to talk than my speaking abilities outside the company. Um, and so knowing when to turn those two things on and off and in what room you're in um, has been really important. And, and so, uh, yeah, it's definitely like, I'm not on all the time. <laughs> well, sounds like a conversation my manager having me two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was, a, it was definitely something that one of my mentors was teaching me about it. And, and of course I aspired to work in product engineering. I always, when I came inside Microsoft nine years ago, um, my goal was to work actually in the SharePoint product group at that time. And, and I was thrilled to work in Microsoft IT to, to run SharePoint and participate in moving into the cloud and then work on Skype for Business and the launch of Power BI. You know, I did a lot of things across modern work, which really helps me in my job today. Um, but, uh, but working in engineering is very different than working in one of the business groups or out in a partner or what have you. You know, there's a lot of precision involved in working in, um, you know, uh, engineering at Microsoft. and and it is a very difficult transition, even for someone who works, you know, years to get there. For me, it was it was a hard transition as I moved over, for sure. So has it been kind of, sorry, go ahead. No, go on, you go for no, it. I, I spoke too many, too many times, you go for it. I <laughs> say, <laughs> so one of the things like for me, when you're in a room with people that you don't really know, and obviously you say like, turn yourself up and down volumes, I like to like, basically call it like a social chameleon. 
So basically, you've been able to like you know change your stripes and basically adapt. Yeah. You know, whoever's in the room, personality-wise. I mean, it's one thing I've always tried to do like in my career from like being a desktop support engineer so right. like going into like a ceo's office and being that you know that very much professional face for the business dealing with you know his it problems but then also knowing when to like you know just be myself i mean i remember like when i was doing a desktop support role i actually had to go to one of the ceo's house and basically you know plug all his it equipment in and it was like a very weird thing that'd be like this big posh house and i'm from very much a working background so it's like to me it's like wow, this, is, this is amazing do you know what i mean um, and then it was like for me, it was like surreal just basically being in his kitchen with his wife and him, and is there like handing me like pistachio nuts and, I, and I'll give me a beer, and it's like <laughs> that's so true though. But you know, you were you reminded me of something. So one of my first jobs in tech when I worked for that partner, I used to train lawyers how to use WordPerfect at the time, and. You know, I don't know how much it, your audience knows about lawyers, but training them to do anything is a bit challenging. Um, Same and, users, really. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> and, and then, and then um, I would have situations like that where I do these one-on-one -on -one courses with the managing partners, and then eventually I, you know, would do that. And you know, it's amazing how people are just people. Right. I mean, the environment is different. Um, you know, I've had the privilege of working on some stuff, um, some solutions that are used in Satya's office. And if you think that I don't get nervous when I'm architecting something for Satya's office, then you'd be wrong. But at the end of the day, he still has the same business problems that somebody else has. Right. And he's trying to navigate information at speed and scale and make great decisions and and all of these things. I mean, it's epic that I get to work on something like that. I never thought when I came to Microsoft, you know, that I get to do something like that, or I get to do, I've gotten to do in the past, um, work with the um, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, which I hold in pretty high esteem. And, you know, just getting to, to be there, you know, um, to me is just so amazing. Um, but again, they have the same problems, right? I mean, yeah. how are they going to roll out teams? That was the question we were talking about, right? So, um, it's pretty, it's pretty interesting. Even on a normal level for, like, for Satya, I mean, when he released his, um, hit refresh book and obviously he was doing his like, you know, little global tour, basically you know, giving out his book and stuff. I actually went to Lords and he basically did his book launch there. Wow. So for, for Satya, he obviously is a big cricket person, obviously from yeah. Indian descent. It, it was basically like, coming across like, you know, he was, he was so happy to basically get on like, the famous Lords pitch and just be able to throw a bowl. Oh, yeah, yeah that, that's, that was like one of the highlights of the day for him, just basically being able to do that and like sit in the room, just listen to him speak and just talk about his past and his careers. You know, it, being that, you know, a small person from a small town and going into the, you know, the role that he's in, it's just, you know. Oh, it's amazing. He, he's so inspirational to me. And, you know, um, he said once, don't think about working for Microsoft. Think about how Microsoft can work for you. He encourages us to bring our passions to work. That's one of the reasons that I have the government enablement and nonprofit enablement projects. Those are two areas that are really near and dear to my heart. And so I put them in my job because, again, I'm working on something that I love. But there's one other thing you touched on that I wanted to say, which is, you know, I am a social chameleon to some extent. Um, but I've had to learn over time to actually stop doing that a little bit because, it's very stressful when you feel like, as, as a woman of color and a technical woman of color, it's very stressful when you go into these different situations and you feel like you have to match the energy in the room, which could be very male-driven, 
And again, it's, this is not good or bad. It's just different. Right. And a group of guys is going to stand around and talk about different things than a group of women does. And so when you're the only woman in the room and especially only woman of color, you often feel like you are always having to put your natural uh, inclinations on hold to be a part of that group. And I've really stopped doing that a lot. I, I'm more like, let all these people match my energy for once. Right. I mean, you know, what's wrong with that? I <laughs> Um, you know, I just, I feel more empowered to be my authentic self than I did probably in my early career. Part of that is my role that I have. And then I realized that Microsoft actually sees me as a valuable employee. I don't think I always knew that in my career and it's given me a certain degree of confidence. Um, one of the things that happened, you know, as a, as a kind of a result of the pandemic was that my production talents as a virtual event producer, were highly in demand. And in the beginning, 15 months ago, nobody knew how to do a virtual event, you know, and we just had to figure it out. And I got to lead a lot of that effort. And so um, it was super stressful. Um, and, you know, and I didn't, ha you know, I had some failures along the way, but I feel like it, it made me be more visible, like my real self. So it's really helped me to not feel like, oh, I automatically have to snap to this other energy in the room. No, I can bring my own. You know, and um, while I still am a chameleon to some extent, I don't do it as much as I used to. I used to do that a lot, you know, a lot more. And as you said, like just being yourself, you know, being that person that you know stands out, being a shining light. That's what you want. You want people to recognize you for you. And obviously then everything else after that, you know, they just respect you even more. Yeah. And you have to get comfortable with being visible, though, too. Um, you know, I've gotten more comfortable with that over time. I mean, you'd think as a performer, I would have always been comfortable with that. And I am when it's the performance. Like, I remember one time I was changing the kinds of topics I was speaking about. So it's really easy for me to talk about SharePoint or Power BI or some product for Microsoft, right? Or even the Microsoft ecosystem. But I was changing it to do a talk on diversity inclusion and my journey. And um, and some of these other topics that are more about leadership and they were more personal to me. And I was so nervous because it was really, um, it was me really sharing of myself instead of me bringing my talents to a product conversation. And that has been, I think the most important growth thing that I've done over the last couple of years is, is conversations like this, right? And, but like on a big stage, I did this huge luncheon at Ignite on diversity and inclusion. I was their keynote speaker. And I talked about my background as a survivor of sexual abuse. I talked about the difficulties in my family growing up. I talked about, you know, some of the really unpleasant things I've had happen to me in my career, um, you know, in the ecosystem uh, when, when men had less um, restrictions on their behavior, I'll call it, um, or they thought they did anyway. Um, you know, I talked about the real stuff and that was not something I had usually done. And I'm really glad I did because the response I got from the people and, and from the industry as a whole was very positive. Um, and now I really try to weave that into a lot of what I do. You know, I would say that while I do talk, you know, I am the face of Ignite or one of them, you know, or teams for sure, um, I really try to have that diversity, inclusion, leadership, you know, career development be a huge thing that I talk about. And I'm going to do more of that, you know, because it's not just about the product. Uh, it's definitely so, about say it's so relevant at the moment. I mean, I know on Teams Nation, there was a women in tech session. And I, was by, I attended that session because obviously doing this podcast and being interested, obviously the, sub the subject matter and just basically listening to 
you know, the the main speaker and the, the guest speakers, it's like everything they're saying, I've heard before and I've heard it on this podcast. So the story is always the same of basically like the challenges that women have in IT and you know not being taken seriously. And I'm, I'm just there listening to it going, you know, it, it's just the same throughout. And it's just obviously you need to get to a point where, you know, we're not like that in the world anymore. And obviously the way the world's been and obviously all the protests for you know, Black Lives Matter and all that kind of stuff, you know, the world has to change to some degree. And I like to think that, you know, me and John are basically doing our part, you know, one episode at a time, basically addressing, you know, diversity, inclusion, you know, equality. And obviously our, our focus at the minute is obviously win on tech because, you know, as a conference host in the past and the user group host, getting women to attend user groups, getting women to attend conferences was such a massive challenge. And even, oh, just, yeah. even just submit a session, it's just like, they, you know, they were, not, I wouldn't say not willing to put themselves out there, but they don't feel comfortable doing it. But I think because of COVID and everything going virtual now, I think you are seeing more and more female speakers, which is, you know, brilliant for the community. Oh, it's absolutely important. And I mean, I think it's a threefold thing, right? It's kind of a little bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, people say there aren't female speakers, but we're not spending as much time as we should developing female speakers. You don't cut, you're not born. Most people, maybe there's someone out there, but most people are not born knowing how to do a technical, engaging technical presentation, you know, and if you're early in career, it can be very daunting, um, you know, and yeah, you're absolutely doing your part one moment at a time. And I, and I want to call out the fact that there are so many awesome allies that I have in the male technical community, you know, they, it's amazing how people have stepped up because I do think with, with Black Lives Matter and, and COVID and all the things we've been through in the last 15 months or a few years, if, if you've been here in the U.S., um, you know, it's really moved people to not just be, to actually be anti-racist, right? To be anti-female uh, suppression, like to really get more active in their support of that. And that's what it's going to take. Um, and it's every little piece that you do, you know, during the whole um, protest last summer, um, people in my family have underlying health conditions at my husband and my mom and my uncle that I take care of. So I didn't feel comfortable protesting, which broke my heart because I wanted to be out there. But it just was too much of a risk that I could potentially bring something back to my family. So I started making these videos um, on there's a website out there, My American Life, and I made a whole series of videos. And, you know, it wasn't like they got millions of views or anything. It wasn't about that. It was that I did something, I did my part at that moment. And now it's like, okay, what's going to be next for me in that area? But I also feel like my career itself is, and being visible, like we talked about earlier, is part of how we can continue to move things forward, you know? Um, and so, yeah, I'm super passionate about that. Um, but I'm also realistic in the fact that it's going to take time. You know, it's going to take time. And you know, I just don't want to leave anybody al behind along the way. You know, I, I know that it can be a very incendiary conversation, whether you're talking about women in tech or Black Lives Matter or whatever. But, you know, I want to leave that behind and focus on the problem solving and what we can do together. Because so I came up with the better together hashtag when teams first launched. Because I knew even then that it was going to be about Teams and SharePoint and Teams and OneDrive and Teams and Power BI or whatever. Now that Better Together hashtag has so many more connotations. Um, and I use it in a lot of different places because I feel it's true for us as people. 
it's us true with the technology, you know, it's us true in terms of understanding the benefits of the past and how they can influence the future. I just think, you know, better together is, is definitely my theme. That and humans first. <laughs> They're my two favorite hashtags, I think. Cool. I, say, I know you're a busy woman and you're probably getting towards the end of this episode. Um, so obviously we talked about your past, we talked about the present. So what's the future hold for you? Oh, that's a really, and you asked me that in the prep and I had to stop and think for a minute, you know, because I've been in the Microsoft ecosystem in one flavor or another, almost my whole career. Um, I love it here. I feel very loyal to this company. I feel very loyal to the vision that Satya creates for all of us. Um, and I see it as a privilege to be in such a huge and respected company where I can use all of the motions around me to forward things that matter to me. So I really see myself staying here at Microsoft for a really long time. That being said, I want to continue to do this work around, um, you know, my American life, around, around women in technology, around leadership and diversity and, and helping to create a path for other people so it could be easier for them to get where I've gotten. You know, um, people ask me, well, how did you get that job? And I can't give them a straight answer, right? It's not that simple. Um, and one of the reasons I built the service adoption specialist course, and I'm continuing to invest in that, is to really create a structured path for people to do this kind of work, um, because it, I find it so fulfilling. And it's a different path than, than exists traditionally. Um, and then, you know, some sleep and a vacation <laughs> in the near future wouldn't be a bad thing. I, I will say I've worked harder in this last 15 months than I've ever worked in my life. And, you know, you think it's going to pass and then something else happens, um, you know, um, like what's going on in India right now. And, and that has an effect on our team and and uh, and the work that we do. So. You know, I I could use um I could use a break actually, but I did have a few days off. <laughs> yeah, I had a few days off, and I'm planning some days off. Unlike the beginning of the pandemic, I actually do get to take some time off because we're really working on not burning out team members and stuff. But you know, I really hope to spend time with my husband. My husband is um you know 65% of my success comes from the fact that I have an unbelievably supportive partner. My husband is amazing and you know I really want to spend time with him and make sure that you know he gets the benefit of all the time he gives up with me. Um you know it I've seen him more in the last 15 months than in the last 6 years, you know, because I haven't been traveling. Yeah. Um, and even though I'm kind of locked in my little room here, at least I'm in the house. I can hop out and get some coffee and see the dogs and talk to him and, you know, whatever, as opposed to being in another city. So, but I am looking forward to getting back on the road and, and being with people out there. Um, but yeah, time with my family, some rest for myself and continuing to, you know, use this amazing company as a way of, of doing things I care about, um, you know, is, is really what I see for the future. Maybe some yes, shock. A friend of mine <laughs> said to me yesterday, they they said they never they'll never complain about traveling ever again. And then they missed their train connection and then that <laughs> went out the window. <laughs> yeah. The first time I get trapped in some airport someplace, right? I'll be But you know, I, I think it's gonna be weird um, when I go back because 
Um, you know, I used to have going to the airport as such a routine in my head. I know where the coffee is. I know where I drop things off. I know where I do all, you know, it's just very click, click, click. And now I feel like I'm going to be like, okay, where is everything? <laughs> what, what am I doing? You know, I feel like it's going to be pretty weird, but uh, you know, no, I, I feel extremely lucky to have the career that I have. I look forward to continuing to teach and engage with people and, um, I love the philanthropy group that Microsoft has. I don't know if people know that, that there's this whole Microsoft philanthropy division that does tech for social impact. And I work with them a lot. And, you know, maybe sometime in the future, they will they will be uh, nice enough to take me in their, in their bubble so that I can work over there. Um, you know, I just want to help people with the technology that exists. We're not going to get through the social changes we need unless we embrace technology for good. And, and unless we find a way to have it bring us together and not rip us apart. So I think that that's, uh, I think that's something that can keep me busy for the rest of my life. <laughs> awesome. And so one final question, which I always like to throw out at the end. Um, so when it comes to, you know, your end of time at Microsoft, because, you know, you're now actually allowed to retire and pick your feet up. What, 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 what do you want to leave? What, what, do your, what do your legacy want to be? Oh, that's a great question. I want it to be this pathway. I want some other young girl to be able to find my stuff on the internet and find a way to realize her dreams. I want to make it really clear that there's this path um, that doesn't have anything to do with, with a computer science degree that can allow you to help people and, and be curious and really engaged. So my service adoption specialist work, making that a real role in the industry, um, investing in that, uh, driving it to certify to a certification level, um, being able to, you know, make this path for other people to follow, um, and leaving behind a body of work that that you know somebody might find useful after I'm gone. I do think about that, right? And because I and I haven't written a book yet, and I I know it's in me, and I will want to have some time. But it's things like that: the video content, the the um, the training, the career path, the artifacts, really that document my career and my passions. That's why I spend a lot of time doing stuff like that. I haven't written a book, but I have a OneNote that I put like these different articles and essays in, and I just write them when I feel like it, and I just put it out there and I can assemble that later into something that I hope will be helpful for people. So, you know, I just, I don't want any young woman out there to wonder if she can do it. I want her to know. I want her to know. And I want her to be able to see that other people before her did. And I don't want her to question herself. I want her to just go for it. Because if I could tell my younger self that, that's what I would do. You know, just go for it. Don't listen to people who are questioning your talents. Don't listen to people who say I had people would tell me I have to pick I can either be a business analyst or I can write code and that's the only choices that exist that's not true that's not true at all so I want these young women to know all the options that they have and to not take any crap along the way like don't take crap from other people you know it's really not necessary <laughs> you know the world is our oyster and we can make it an enjoyable thing you also don't have to toil away in some basement like you you know you're not having any fun if even today i tell people if you're not having fun in this business at least part of the time you know uh, if you subtract the covid impact then you need to take a look at what you're doing like work can be enjoyable 
So I would want people to know that that they can do that. And especially those young women who are like me, who maybe didn't have um, any anyone to, to kind of guide them along the way. To look up to and- yeah, I would never say I'm anybody's role model, but I would say maybe I can leave behind some breadcrumbs about how to do this and some roadmaps, right? That's um, that's what I would want to. That's what I would want to do. Wicked. So we're going to wrap it up here. So I'll, first of all, thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. You know, it's been massively insightful, and as you say, hopefully, you know, someone finds this podcast, finds your episode, and is just inspired by you know your passion and your drive. That's basically took you from being a dancer into the world of artists. <laughs> thank you so much. Well, thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. And I uh, really appreciate this whole series that you're doing. I think it's great. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. And John, we'll, I'll see you next time on our next episode. So thank see you very you much. See you next everyone. time, Andrew. Thank you for listening to the Microsoft Spotlight podcast. Please make sure you hit that like, share and subscribe button to help us promote our message. You can also follow us on Twitter at MSFT Spotlight. And we're also on LinkedIn, the Microsoft Spotlight Podcast. And finally, we'd like to tell you a little bit about Big Titan and thank them for sponsoring this podcast. Remote migrations start here. Let MigrationWiz do the work for you. It's fast, secure, and 100% SaaS, which means you can migrate at any time and from anywhere. Migrate mailboxes, documents, public folders, personal archives, or even Microsoft Teams with just a few clicks. No special training needed and no customer downtime. When the work matters, choose MigrationWiz.